0: Welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On today's episode, we talk with three-time national champion, Matt DeRoche, of the Clarkson Women's Hockey Program. We discuss his playing career, how he helped build multiple championship teams, and his advice for both players and goaltenders during these uncertain recruiting times. I really enjoyed my conversation with Matt, and I hope you do too. Before we get to today's amazing episode, I wanted to talk to you about the app part of Champs App. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know I spend a lot of time talking with coaches, parents, and players about the hockey recruiting process. One of the key questions that people want to know is, how does a player get noticed by college coaches? While there are many ways to be discovered, the easiest way to get on a college's radar is to send a coach an email and provide them all the information they need to assess if you are a player worth keeping their eyes on. That's where the app part of Champs app comes in. Champs app was designed based on all the conversations and feedback we received about the recruiting process. And we've built a tool to help players and coaches connect with a ton of the information they wanna know. It all starts with creating a free, beautiful Champs app profile. After that, there are some pretty magical things that can happen to help make the recruiting process a little less overwhelming. Your Champs app profile includes all the basic academic personal, and athletic information coaches want to know. Then, by including video, schedule information, and your coach's contact details, colleges can easily start their evaluation process. You just copy and paste your personalized link and send it to coaches so they can see your public player profile without even having to log in or create a Champs App account. Or you can connect directly with coaches on Champs App. More and more coaches are creating their own Champs App profiles and connecting with players themselves every day. Now coaches can have all the information they need to assess where you might fit in their recruiting plans. Even better, college coaches can track your progress throughout the winter and showcase seasons because as you make changes to your profile, coaches will get notified to your updates. And in the future, we will be adding even more amazing features to improve your visibility to the recruiting process and hopefully increase your odds of success. If you want to see what a player or coach profile looks like before you start your own, look in the show notes to see some examples. My kids and I have used Champs app for their recruiting process. In fact, my son was invited to a AAA tryout thanks to his Champs app profile. So go to www.champs.app and start your player or coach profile. It only takes about 15 to 20 minutes to complete most of your key information. Good luck. And please let us know how it helped with your recruiting. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Matt DeRoche, who is the head coach with the Clarkson Women's Ice Hockey Program. Originally from Fort Erie, Ontario, Matt was an offensive defenseman at St. Lawrence University, where he had 77 points in four years in Canton, New York. He then played five years of professional hockey, including two East Coast Hockey League All-Star Games, and then helped the Colorado Eagles to the 2005 President's Cup Championship. He then joined his wife, Shannon smith DeRoche, at Clarkson as an assistant coach in 2006 with the women's program, and they became co-coaches in 2008. Matt took over solo duties as head coach in 2014, and we will be talking about that for sure, um, and uh, he helped guide the team to the national championships in 2014 and back-to-back in 2017 and 2018. In fact, he is the only non-WCHA conference coach to ever win the NCAA D1 Women's Championship. Welcome to the podcast, Matt.
1: Right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate
0: it. Uh, that's quite the intro. Three-time national championship coach. That's a, that, uh, I think you're the only coach that we've had who's won it three times on, on the program. So welcome. Uh, Why don't thanks. we start off like we do all of our guests, uh, Talk telling us a little bit about your hockey history, like how you first started playing it up and how you kind of got a love for the game in Fort Erie, Ontario.
1: Yeah, obviously being from Canada, uh, it's kind of ingrained in you. You're kind of born into it, I guess. Um I was pretty fortunate that my my dad actually worked at uh, the arena in our hometown in Fort Erie, Ontario. Uh, So I was able to get on the ice all the time. Um, You know, I was around it all the time. I remember watching we had a junior team, the Fort Erie Meteors, which I ended up playing for uh, later on down the road, but always went to games there and just kind of fell in love with the game of hockey. And then, um, you know, my dad got promoted and he started running the rinks and the parks and cemeteries around the town too. So um, I was just always around it, you know, the game of hockey and just kind of fell in love with it. And, you know, it just kind of, you know, snowballed from there, I guess. Uh, played my minor hockey in, in Fort Erie and then I moved up to AAA in Niagara Falls. And then, like I said, I played my junior hockey in, in Fort Erie and I was fortunate enough to make, uh, you know, Team Ontario under-16 team. Um, played with some pretty good guys like Joe Thornton in that uh, there. Oh, Yeah, yeah, it was pretty exciting. From that team, uh, there was a bunch of guys that ended up going to the NHL. I was one of the probably few that didn't make it to the NHL from that team. Uh, But from there, I went on to St. Lawrence and played four years. before we get to St. Lawrence, let's get to
0: what made you such a really good hockey player, and particularly you were a defenseman and who clearly must have scored a lot of points in, in youth hockey. So obviously, uh, really basic question. I'm assuming because your dad was operating the rinks, you just got a tremendous amount of ice time. But what else contributed to beyond just the ice time to be you being such a good player?
1: Yeah, I think uh, for me too, like just having good coaches along the way.
0: You know, I started
1: out as a forward, to be honest with you, I was young and I was one of the better skaters and I can handle a puck and and everything. So they threw me back on defense and I was able to rush the puck and that kind of started my career, I guess, as an offensive style defenseman. And I just kind of went from there. But, um, you know, just having coaches that, uh, you know, love the game, that were able to kind of teach me stuff from a young age, Uh, like you said, like being able to get a lot of ice time with my dad and just, um, go out there and work on skills and skating. And and my parents really, um, you know, helped me grow as a player too by putting me in power skating and doing some different camps and stuff like that from a young age. And, you know, there was times where, you know, I was younger and I didn't want to do that kind of stuff, but they, they knew the benefit that, uh, you know, I'd get from it down the road. And I, I, I'm i thankful that they, they kind of helped me, uh, you know, fall in love with the game that way as well. Gotcha, gotcha. So when did it
0: click with you that like, hey, you know what, like I, I actually might be able to do something with this hockey thing. Like I, I might be able to go to college or maybe even play pro, things like that. When did it really click in your head and then you really started to take it seriously?
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I guess from a younger age, I, I think in Ontario, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities. And I think, um, you know, I started getting a lot of opportunities in spring hockey and um, getting to play with different guys from around the, the province and um, seeing some of those those high-level players that played up in Toronto and that which was, you know, about an hour and a half away from where I lived and, um, you know, being able to kind of play with those players and, and kind of um, hang with them, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, calling, coming from a small town and that and, and growing up and being one of the better players, you never know where you kind of fit in amongst the grand scheme of things. So I guess when I started playing with some other players throughout the province and, and getting on some of these teams and we had some pretty good teams, then you start to to realize like, oh, maybe I I can do something with this. So I, I think it started from a young age, really, with the the spring hockey.
0: Okay. Gotcha. And uh, you, you mentioned you play with Joe Thornton. I had the privilege of watching him here uh, with the Sharks for for many, many years. Um, obviously, an unbelievable playmaker. You can't get the puck away from him, um, but you're playing with him. And I'm assuming you're playing defense at this point uh, in, in your hockey career. Um, what was your role relative to his on those teams that you played together on? Um, you know, like was your job uh, either to get open because you knew he's going to make get you the get you the puck, or was your job just get him the puck and let him, you know, and then and just be ready in case it ever comes to you back comes back to you? Yeah, I guess it was a little bit different. Like my, uh, you know, when yeah. I made that that team
1: Ontario team, um, again, it was a big step for me coming from a small town and everything, and, and a lot of those guys had played together. Um, you know with each other and that and everything so for me it was to be honest with you it was probably a little bit more intimidating in that and um, for me on that team it was really trying to find my place where I kind of fit in and like I said I wasn't always an offensive style defenseman but when I got to that team I kind of needed to be a little bit more of a, a defensive player and just kind of uh, like you said, like, just make sure I'm playing well defensively and get the pucks up to the forwards. Because, like, again, on that team, we had some really high high talent, high level players like Joe and that. So it was more so, you know, let's make sure we're keeping the puck out of our net, getting the puck up to them and let them do their thing. So my role kind of changed on that team. And that was a great thing for me to kind of understand that you have to be versatile as well. So, um, you know, I took a lot from that experience. That's awesome.
0: Okay, great. So, um, I don't know if, if, you know, playing on that team Ontario is going to be one of the answers to this question, but looking back on just your youth hockey days, what was your favorite youth hockey memory? Ooh, it's, it's hard to say like what just one of them,
1: like obviously that was a great experience. Um, I think it was, to be honest with you, it was just being able to meet different people and, and build different relationships and, I remember like all the road trips with my parents and being able to play mini sticks in the hallways with my teammates. Um, Those are more of the things that kind of stand out to me. It wasn't just one moment hockey-wise that I would say was my favorite thing. It was more so those things, just getting to know your teammates and having fun with them and just growing up,
0: loving the game of hockey and and having fun doing it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, well, then tell us about how you ended up getting recruited by uh, the folks at St. Lawrence University. Yeah, so, um, again, growing up in Ontario, a lot of a lot
1: of it is geared towards, you know, OHL hockey. And, um, you know, back then, too, there wasn't a lot of people, you know, going over to the States to play hockey and getting scholarships. Like, uh, there wasn't a lot of resources for us. We didn't know much about it. Um, so, just, uh, you know, having some coaches come and talk to me and, and give me that kind of uh you know, experience and um, everything that they had to tell me. And, and, you know, I was probably one of the the few guys that was really looking at that as a viable option, you know, instead of just strictly going to the OHL. Like I got drafted to the OHL. I went and visited the team that drafted me. And there was just something, like I was always a good student and everything. Uh, There was just something that told me, you know, I think this is the best route for me to go get my college degree. I think part of it too, is just wanting to experience the the atmosphere that, it, that the United States presented, you know, to kind of do something different as well and experience that, um, you know, obviously college sports are a little bit different in the United States than they are in Canada. Um, so that was something I, I wanted to explore and just kind of see what it was all about. And when I started doing my visits and everything, I just started, Uh, You know, kind of falling in love with that whole school kind of pride and atmosphere that, that these places presented.
0: Yeah, very different uh, in the U.S. than in Canada in terms of uh, the pride in the school and, and the importance of athletics to the uh, yeah. whole campus experience. Gotcha. So when you got there, um, you know, was it everything that you expected? Obviously, you uh, you got better every year based on looking at your stats. Um, and, and clearly, you you fit in quite well. Um, you know, t- tell us about, you know, playing, as like you said, as an offensive defenseman in the ECAC.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a big thing for my time at, at St. Lawrence like the, the class I got brought in with um we were kind of a large class we were about I think there was eight of us in that class and um we had some pretty talented players that w- that went on and, and did some uh, you know professional hockey afterwards but um I would say we were it was our class and maybe a little bit of the class before us that kind of really started to turn things around at St. Lawrence So I think that was a big reason why, like, every year we continued to get better. It was, uh, um, you know, I think my junior year is when we made the Frozen Four um, in Providence and that. And, you know, my first year, we were were a bubble team. We just snuck into the ECAC playoffs because back then only the top eight teams made it. Um, and then the following year and the years after, you know, we were competing for their ECAC championships. We were making the NCAA tournament. Um, so we turned it around pretty quickly. But, um, you know, again, I, I just think that the biggest part of that was just the, the culture that we had at St. Lawrence. Um, you know, we still keep in touch, you know, 20 some odd years later. Like, we're already planning on going back for our, our coaches, Joe Marsh, um, you know, they're doing something for him this upcoming year. So everyone's kind of getting together to make sure we get back for that. So we stay in touch quite a bit. And I really do think it was kind of us just being a close-knit team that really helped uh, propel us to where we
0: were able to get to. Gotcha. Gotcha. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you may have met somebody while you were at St. Lawrence University uh, that may have kind of played a role in your future plans as well. Yeah. So I'm, I met my
1: wife there, um, you know, and, and like you said, she definitely played a huge role in where I'm currently at right now. But uh, yeah, it was, it was my senior year. She's two years younger than I am. Um, so it was my senior year and, and her sophomore year when we met and, um, you know, kind of started building a relationship from there. And it was uh, pretty much I left school and graduated and started my pro hockey career and she was still at school. Um, at that point so essentially I had a five-year uh, pro hockey career and uh, f- so for the most part uh, for those first five years our relationship was long distance so gotcha. uh, we were able to kind of get through that and and here so we so, are. Th- so that must
0: be the reason why she was able to score so many points because she wasn't distracted <laughs> by you while you were not there because I believe she had almost double the number of points that uh, in her career that you did in yours, or oh, for point? sure yeah, ah, okay. she worked.
1: She worked hard for all those points too. That's one thing that uh, anyone can't
0: take away from my wife is she's probably the hardest working person that I know. Yes, and your wife, uh, Shannon Smith, uh, your your wife, uh, we'll talk about her a little bit later on, but uh, obviously played a big role in you coming back to to Clarkson. So, um, yeah, let's talk just real quickly about uh, playing five years in the minor leagues. Obviously, you did quite well at the levels that you were playing, um, but also from basically what I can kind of gather, especially if you're out in Colorado and all these different places, you're spending a lot of time on some buses. Yeah, yeah, we... uh... You get used to the bus rides and that and
1: again i i was pretty fortunate i played in some pretty nice places in in south carolina and, and out in colorado and i played for some teams that um you know had a little bit of money as far as the the resources that they were able to provide for us um so we were able to get on some sleeper buses and that so that that made things a, a little bit better but yeah, definitely in the minors, you, you pay your dues a little bit with the the travel and the food and everything. But uh, it was a great experience overall for me. There was a lot of uh, a lot of good times, and I, I played on some good teams, and and was fortunate enough to win a, a championship
0: uh, with Colorado,
1: which was a great experience and and something that I'll never
0: forget as well. So what, what did you take away from playing in the pros and, and kind of roughing it, not getting pampered as much as the, uh, the NHL players do, um, as well as your, your four years at, at St. Lawrence? What did you kind of take away from that from um, uh, when you decided to make the change into coaching? What was it that you kind of learned from those experiences that, that you think would really helpful uh, that have helped make you have the success that you've had as a coach?
1: I think the, the honestly, I think the biggest thing for me and something that I, I I speak to with our our players and even recruits in that is is, um, especially when you get to the pro level, it's it's you don't want to start comparing yourself to someone else, you know, because I was in the minors and and, you, you know, maybe my first year or so, I, I'd start seeing some of these guys that I played against or or with or something, and started comparing myself and thinking that, you know, I think I'm a better player than that. Why aren't I getting those opportunities like he is and and stuff like that? And I almost caught myself focusing too much on that side of things and not worrying about myself. And that was something that uh, I was fortunate that I learned at a younger stage in my career in that, um, is that you really got to start focusing on yourself and your process and and what that looks like. Um, And that, like I said, that's something that I – I speak to my players a lot. I speak to recruits a lot about that too, because um, in today's day and age, you know, especially with the recruiting side of things, you know, some of these kids are seeing their friends commit early or commit to this school or that school and, and they get caught up in that. And we try and tell them like, this is your process. You dictate, you know, where you want this to go. Like if you don't want to rush into things, then there's no rush. You don't have to to look for a school to commit to right away just because your friend might have, um, you know, so it's really just kind of focusing on yourself, what's important to you, what you need throughout the process, and then, you know, making sure you make your decision from there. Okay, great. Well, we're going to go into
0: great detail on the recruiting stuff a little later on, but that's some great advice to start with. Um, All right, so before we transition into your actual coaching career, um, looking back on all the coaches that you've had, pro, college, youth hockey, who's your favorite coach and why? Well, oh, it's a tough one. Um,
1: you know, I, I definitely have to put, uh, you know, my coach at St. Lawrence, Joe Marsh, um, in that category. Uh, he's someone that, you know, I've always looked up to, someone that even when I started my coaching career that I would lean on a little, little bit. Um, he was just someone that was really passionate about the game of hockey. Um, he was someone that worked us really hard, but it was for a purpose. And as hard as he was on us at the rink in that, he was a great person away from the rink and cared about us. Um, and that was something that I've been able to kind of take away into my coaching career. Um, you know, one thing I always remember is is reading the articles in in like the newspaper and that after our games and he never put the blame on the players. It was always we, we, he included himself in that mix. Like we didn't play good. It was, we didn't play well. I didn't prepare the team as as well as we should have and stuff. He never singled out any one of us, of our, of us players. Um, And I think that's something important, you know, as as a coach is, um, you know, you have to include yourself in that. Like no one, no one's perfect. Everyone makes mistakes, but we're all in this together as well. So that was one big thing that I really took from my time
0: with Joe. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So, so given the great coaches that you've had, uh, including Joe, um, why did you decide to hang up the skates and become a coach? (laughs) All right, I should probably get into uh,
1: how I got into it right now with my my wife and everything. So I'll I'll try and make it as as quick as possible. It's kind of a long story in that. But uh, like I said, um, my wife and I got together when we were at St. Lawrence and I left and played, uh, you know, in the minors and everything. When she graduated from St. Lawrence, she actually started the women's hockey program here at Clarkson as an assistant coach. So she was doing her master's here. Started the program as an assistant coach. Um, so I, I was I was in tune with it, obviously, and and you know with our conversations and that got to learn about the coaching side of things from her perspective and everything. And um, you know I had some time around around Clarkson before and after you know I was done playing. Um, And there was an opportunity that came up uh, on the coaching staff here at Clarkson. And and at that point in my hockey career too, I was starting to get some injuries and everything. And, and uh, it was just kind of the perfect storm. I always knew I wanted to stay in the game of hockey. I didn't know in what kind of capacity. Um, But then, you know, my wife being in the coaching side of things and the recruiting and everything kind of appealed to me a little bit. So, like I said, there was an opportunity for, for me to join the Clarkson staff here. So, That's what I did. So my wife and I basically went from five years long-distance relationship to getting married and working in the same office within a matter of a week or so. Um,
0: That's a a significant change. Yeah. Yeah. So a little unique situation there for sure. Gotcha. And and she had been there, correct me if I'm wrong, three years before you joined the staff. Is that right? Two or three years? Yes. She was there for three years and
1: and, uh, I joined the staff and we were assistant coaches together for two years. And then the way
0: it all worked out, and this oh, is let, let's hold off on that one. Let's hold off on that okay. one. Let, yeah. let, let's get to the kind of just to the basics. Clarkson University, yep. Potsdam, New York, forty-three hundred students. Tell us about the academics. Tell us about the facilities. Tell us about uh, Chiel Arena and the renovation. Uh, tell tell us what it's like to to go to school there and to play there. Uh, yeah, lots it, of great yeah. stuff. So yeah. again, like
1: uh, it's kind of funny because. Um, you know, I went to St. Lawrence. St. Lawrence is actually Clarkson's big rival. They're 10 minutes down the road. I was going to say,
0: it was yesterday that I learned that uh, Potsdam and Canton are only 10 minutes away from each other. And I was going like, holy smokes, like you probably could still live where you used to live at St. Lawrence when you were at St. (laughs) Lawrence University. Go ahead. Huge rivalry. So, um,
1: you know, for me, uh, I was used to this area and everything, obviously going to school up here. And then my wife uh, you know starting to coach here so um, you know I, I like the small town feel of things um, everything up in this area we call this area the north country a lot of it revolves around hockey hockey is kind of everything up here and like I said I grew up in in Ontario and Canada and that was kind of the feeling in the atmosphere so you know I kind of gravitated to that so you know that's that's one thing that's great about this this area is that uh, you know hockey's everything and there's a you have four universities within a, a 15 mile radius up here so in town there's there's uh Clarkson then there's Potsdam state and then down the road you have St. Lawrence and SUNY Canton so there's a really good student buzz around both towns as well um which I think is great and you know small campus size you know like you said it's about 4300 and know that was something that's right up my alley too and and it's not for everyone some players and some recruits they want to go to big schools um some want to you know go to medium or small like it, it all depends and that's what's important about getting out and kind of seeing these places so um you know with clarkson university small campus and that but great education and and that's the one thing especially on the women's side is you know, hopefully one day, and it's working towards that, there's going to be a professional league that, you know, is viable for these uh, young women to to be able to kind of make a living doing that. But as of right now, it's not there, right? So I think being able to get a good education in that and, and find yourself a good job, um, you know, either while still playing hockey or not, I think is something that's really important. So uh, I just feel like Clarkson's... got the best of a lot of different things, you know, as far as having a good education. Um, Obviously, we've built our program into a pretty successful program. And like you said, like the campus is great. It's kind of outdoorsy a little bit. There's lots of uh, lakes and trails and hiking trails and beaches and stuff like that around here um, that our our players can kind of utilize. And, um, you know, I think we have a great facility too in in Chile Arena uh, with your picture right behind you there. Um, you know, right in the middle of campus here, uh, you know, we just got done a 20 plus million dollar renovation to the rink here. So, you know, we have all the brand new amenities in that, uh, whole new space for the women's side and the men's side of training rooms, uh, you know, brand new weight room for our, our, our players to use, you know, different development things like rapid shot machine right outside our locker room. Um, so a lot of the state of the art stuff that we were able to kind of put into the program, and that's something that's really important to us in our program is the development side of things. So, you know, having this new renovation and that really helps, uh, you know, with that
0: development side for our players. And most importantly, you have a band. Because uh, you, if you go to a hockey game with a band, it's different than a game without a band because it's oh, yeah. it, it really gets the energy going and you see the players get into it and and yeah. maybe just talk about how the band has helped you out win a game or something like
1: that. Yeah, to be honest with you. And I think like to go back on my, my previous uh, comments and that, uh, I think that was something like even when I was doing my recruiting trips, I didn't have a clue about, you know, the, the hockey in, in the United States and the NCAA and, you know, going to some games and having a band playing in the rink was just something I was never used to. And, and like you said, like, it just brings so much atmosphere. It brings that uh, school spirit to it. And that's something our, our band brings a ton of energy to our rink. I, I think the atmosphere that's created in Chile arenas is, you know, one of the best in the country. Um, you know, when we have that band rocking, we have a loud train whistle that goes off whenever we come on the ice and score, score. Um, so they contribute a lot and they support our team quite well. Like, the, you know, they've made it to every one of the, our frozen fours. Uh, we've had the band on the ice with us after we've won championships to kind of celebrate with us and that like, they're a huge component of it. Yeah. I remember in 2017 when we. We're in St. Louis and won the national championship there. Like there was a huge snowstorm that hit um, our area here, and we almost we got delayed getting out there and everything. And the band was trying to get out there. They called in some favors, found a bus, drove 16 hours straight to make it for our final game. So uh, they're pretty dedicated to it as yeah. well.
0: They're just as committed as the players are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes more. Yeah. All right. So here, here's a very important question. When the Las Vegas NHL franchise name was announced, how pissed was your school?
1: Uh, They were probably maybe a little bit more upset that they didn't have the uh, trademark on it or something, certain things like that. But uh, yeah, you know what? It, it, it does kind of help us out too, you know, a little bit. I'm sure when people go on and they're Googling uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights, you know, sometimes Clarkson probably pops up and, but I will say this, like at, if you if you ever watch a Golden Knights uh, Las Vegas game, you know during the national anthem when they say you know knights within the anthem, that started here. That started. <laughs> and our, nice. our, our fans and that actually some of our, our players start doing that on the blue line too during the national anthem, yelling Knights.
0: Nice. Um, Well, I do know that they originally wanted to call the Vegas franchise Black Knights, but they couldn't get that because of the, you know, the the army had the trademark for it. But uh, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, I was wondering how they were able to get the Golden Knights name. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to really more important questions. Do you have to be from St. Lawrence in order to coach on the Clarkson team? So Tony Macy, Brittany Smith both from St. Lawrence University and obviously your wife was at St. Lawrence University. What's the story with everybody kind of coming from St. Lawrence University? Yeah, I wish
1: I had a better story for you, but I really don't. Just uh, that's kind of the way it worked out. But to be honest with you, I I, I played uh, with Tony for a year at St. Lawrence. We've known each other for over 20 years now. And, um, you know, he was out at Adrian, did a good job there. And then he went to Princeton and, and when I was looking for new assistants, you know, he was he was the first person I thought of just because of the relationship that I previously had with him and just the person that I he is and that and I know he is. And then uh and then same thing with Britt, just uh, you know, working through the channels and, and asking people's opinions and that. And, and another one of uh, you know, myself and Britt's and my wife's former coaches, Paul Flanagan. Um, you know, he was someone that recommended that I reach out to Britt too so um, you know I I think it just all kind of fell into place and the nice thing too is that you know that uh, that those people because they went to St. Lawrence they they know the area up here they know what it's all about they enjoy being up here so I think that uh, kind of plays into it
0: as well. Gotcha. And um, as I mentioned right before we hit the record button, you know, I've seen Tony and Brittany at multiple recruiting events. Maybe just describe how you guys divide and conquer responsibilities, both at the rink and then on the recruiting front. Yeah. To be honest with
1: you, we, we kind of all do a little bit of everything. You know, I think we have our certain responsibilities in that, but uh, for the most part, like we we'll, we get together in meetings. We talk about certain things. It's not just one person does everything on, on a certain topic and that like, We're in constant communication all the time. Um, I think it's really important for all three of us to get out on the road recruiting. So then you don't have just one person's opinion. I think it's important for all of us to see recruits. Um, Obviously, with with my position during the year, it's a little bit more difficult for me to get out and watch these. So I have to take advantage of the opportunities that I do have um, during the season, during our off time. Um, but then in the in the summer months and that that's when it really ramps up for someone like myself to get out Um, you know there's times where where Britt and Tony will come back with names and and they make sure that uh, when I go to certain events I'm looking at those players but then also evaluating other players as well so um, for us like recruiting is
0: is definitely like a a team effort for sure. Okay great great all right so now I really want to get to stuff that I think is really meaty and exciting, which is building national championship teams. And I'm assuming, uh, you know, you won your first national championship in 2014, but I'm, I'm assuming the, your kind of roster strategy started in at least 2010 uh, with who you were recruiting and then kind of culture and, and personnel. Uh, just tell us, like, what was your thinking, you know, uh, during that process leading up to that first national championship and then i'll get into the ability to repeat from there but let's 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 just get the first one out of the way first yeah no
1: i I think i think part of it is just understanding and knowing who you are like as a university and and that you know obviously still we've had a lot of success but it's, it's still you know difficult for us to to compete with certain schools for recruits and stuff like that so it's just Understanding what you're working with and then trying to figure out a a scheme around that. You know, obviously, in those early years with my wife and I coaching together, um, you know, one thing that we really tried to do is build that family atmosphere here at the the university. And that was something that, uh, you know, we wanted players to understand, like when you come here to Clarkson, you're going to be part of this Clarkson family. And, um, you know, that's something that we continue to keep doing as well. Our culture is something that's extremely important to us. So I think in those early years was really about, you know, building that culture and what we wanted that to look like and what our core values were. And then starting to fit the pieces into that. Obviously, you know, having those talented players is something that you definitely need. But then that's where I I come back to, you got to understand who you are um we were a school and we we in some ways we still are we're we're not going to fill our roster from top to bottom with the the absolute best players out there the most talented players um so our our kind of thought behind it was like yes we need some talented players we need players that can you know you know get the job done and, and stuff like that is extremely important but we also need to have the pieces around that as well we need people to come in and understand uh how we need them to play what their roles are going to be and then accept those roles and everything and I think that was just uh you know a huge part of us going out and recruiting is just finding those right people and those right pieces that we're going to fit into kind of that
0: puzzle. So um, you're literally from, from what I heard you just say is you were literally saying, OK, we got four lines and we're going to try and figure out who's the right player, generally speaking, to play on each one of those lines. And if you're going to come in and be the fourth line center, like, uh, you know, maybe you can move up over, you know, your years that you're here, but this is your role. And we're, we're going to, you know, and same thing on the D that, you know, the first pairing, the second pairing, the third pairing. And, and that was your approach of literally filling out each of the individual, you know, uh what's it, 18 players um is, that's how you thought about recruiting of where each player is going to fit in yeah
1: essentially for sure like i said like you know some some programs have the ability to go out there and just stockpile talent and then try and you know put everything together from there and we just felt like we weren't uh, necessarily able to do that granted, don't get me wrong, like we were able to bring in some talented players and even, you know, players that were on our our third and fourth line, those were always players that, you know, were the best on the teams that they came from. Um, But they weren't, you know, the most talented players out there in those recruiting classes. So it was really just finding those those kids that um, understood that, you know, I'm an important role in this team. I'm an important part of this team, no matter what that is. And you know, just having them understand that and being okay with it, and and you know, striving to get better and striving to move up and down the lineup or wherever we you needed them to play, um, I think is something that's
0: important
1: and something that we were
0: able to kind of find. Gotcha. And and I noticed that you have found most of your players, a lot of them from Canada, from Ontario, Quebec, even out west, um, and even several from Minnesota. So you know, what's the appeal of Clarkson? Is it is it the school size is it the location is it the success of the program is it the coaching um because you know for at least uh if folks who are you know from around the golden horseshoe in Ontario around Lake Ontario relatively easy to get to to uh to Clarkson but for all these other locations it's a destination for them what, what what's what's the appeal yeah I think I think it's a lot of everything you said
1: you know obviously we had to build our program and get to the the point that we are now where You know, we've kind of made a name for ourselves and, you know, some of these players want to be a part of a successful program and have the ability to compete for championships. So, I think that definitely plays into it. Um, The academic side, like I said, Clarkson's a really good academic school, with a good uh, degree, so that certainly plays into it. Like you said, like, uh, you know, over the years, we've gotten a lot of our players from, you know, Ontario, Quebec, out west in Canada. You know, and I think a lot of that is just because of our location. You know, we're close. We're 40 minutes from the Canadian border, 30 minutes from the Canadian border from Ontario and that. So I think, too, that appealed to a lot of our players that, uh, you know, it was a quick drive for friends and family to get here and experience that as well. And I know that was something important to me when I was at St. Lawrence is, you know, it was only about four, four and a half hours from home and my parents were able to come up almost every weekend. And that was something that you know was really important to me to have them to be a part of it, and I saw how much fun they had with it too. So I, I think that's part of the appeal as well. Is that uh, and even for our Western players, like it's an easy flight into Ottawa. Ottawa is about an hour drive from here. The the flight from the Ottawa airport's really easy. Um, so I think that was just part of the appeal. You know, I, I think a lot of people assume we only we only uh, recruit Canadians, but that's just not case it's um you know there's obviously in Ontario Quebec there's a large number of players playing hockey and that's kind of hockey hotbeds in Canada um so we're just fortunate that we're uh the
0: proximity is really close with that as well gotcha gotcha okay (laughs) I want to get back to your wife so 2014 was actually the year she 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 went uh stepped aside to um uh help with your family and um but here's my hypothesis is that she actually played a major role in the success of your team in the championship team by just being an objective observer analyzing your games and giving you scouting reports and here's what you need to work on just by sitting back and watching the games uh you know uh from from a different vantage point am i correct uh, yeah, you are correct. <laughs>
1: there's, there's there's, no question, if you look over the lifetime of the Clarkson Women's Hockey Program, there's no one person more important to the success of our program than, than my wife. Um, like I said, she started the program here. She was kind of the glue that kept everything together. Um, you know, we were able to kind of work together as assistants. Then we were co-head coaches for six years, and that's when we kind of built our – our championship team in 2014 um and she was a huge part of that too just uh the work ethic like I said she's the hardest working person I know and just the work ethic that she instilled in our players and kind of our program like that is something that we still kind of talk about and look for when we're looking for um you know recruits is just that that work ethic and that so um, she kind of brought that to the program. There's no question about it. so, and then uh, you know, when we won in two thousand and fourteen, she was eight months pregnant with our uh, our son there um, uh, while we were on the bench and everything. So you know clarkson was was great to, you know, she kind of stepped down from from coaching and she was able to um, start a part-time position in the alumni philanthropy office too, so she could still stay connected, but then also, you know, take care of our family and that. uh, And then once I took over the head coaching job after that, you know, she was still a major part of things, you know, sitting in the stands, being able to watch our games, kind of give me feedback. Um, And it was good. Like she sees things from a different perspective. So there was times where she would say something to me after a game or whatever. And it was something that, you know, I never even thought of and gets me thinking, you know, different line combinations, different, different things that she saw so just being able to have someone to be able to kind of communicate those things
0: you know has definitely benefited us even after she left kind of coaching as well that's that's what I kind of assumed there's no way she didn't want to stay involved in somehow in uh in being able to give her thoughts all right so um 2018 in the your third championship you guys won all three games in the uh in the playoffs in overtime um, Elizabeth Shagair scored this unbelievable goal, uh, taking the puck off of the Colgate uh, defenseman and, and going in and scoring. And what immediately went through my mind is that after winning three straight overtime games to win the national championship and win your third national championship, why didn't you retire after that? Because it's, that's going to be impossible to top. Yeah, it was uh, that was a pretty crazy,
1: crazy end to it. You know, even that whole, that second semester, you know, we had five overtime games that we we won, um, and like you said, our, our three game games in the NCAA tournament went down to overtime. and It was, you know, a little little tough on the old heart, uh, you know, as a coach and everything. But uh, you know, I honestly though I think that really helped. Uh, even at that point in my career with the success we've had and the amount of years that I've had uh, just going through that experience really helped me grow as a coach as well, because, you know, in those situations as a coach, like if, if you're calm and composed and collected um, your players are going to take that as well. If, if I was nervous on the bench and and everything in those overtime games, then that probably would have uh, gotten passed on to the, the players as well. So it's something that you got to kind of tell yourself, all right, we got to be confident in that. We got to show the players that we're confident. Let's make sure we're calm, cool and collective on the bench and everything. So um, pretty cool experience in that to, to, to be a part of, you know, those exciting moments, I guess.
0: <laughs> all right, so I'm going to go somewhere that uh, is, is going to be weird, but you'll, you'll get it in a second. <laughs> Bill Belichick won three Super Bowls in, in four years. So very similar. You win th- three championships in, in, in five years. And then he had a 10 year break between when him and Tom Brady won the next one. What are you going to do to make sure it's not another 10 years between uh, national championships?
1: That's yeah, going to be tough. We're, we're working every day and, uh, you know, we definitely don't take anything for granted. You know, that's something that, uh, you know, myself and our staff always talk about is, you know, we got to continuously look to, to get better. You know, even those years after we won the, the the championships and that we were still trying to find ways to get better. We weren't kind of resting on our laurels a little bit. Um, but it, it, it's definitely getting more and more difficult to, to win those national championships. You're seeing a lot of parity uh, throughout the country here. There's a lot of good teams, you know, it's great that, uh, that uh, our championship got expanded to 11 teams because I I definitely think there's a lot more than the the previous eight teams that were were, uh, capable of going on and winning a a championship. But it's definitely made things a little bit more difficult for sure. But, you know, all all we can do is focus on us and focus on our process and make sure we continue to to bring the right people into our program and then hopefully everything falls into place from there.
0: Plus, plus more teams being added, uh, you know, with uh, you know, obviously Robert Morris coming back and Stonehill College and yeah. uh, St. Thomas, So, uh, and hopefully even more. Hopefully we'll get one in Michigan soon. Uh, we'll yeah, see if that so. ever happens. Um, all right, I do want to ask you about one player, um, Haley Wynn. Talk about the impact Haley Wynn has had on on your team. Yeah, yeah. Haley uh, Haley's just a tremendous person,
1: tremendous athlete, um, is – Every single day, she's just dedicating herself to, to getting better. And, you know, she was able to start that at a young age, and, and she's kind of carried that over here to Clarkson as well. She is just constantly at the rink, constantly working on things, just loves, you know, being in the rapid shot machine, you know, doing extra stuff with our strength coach, you know, focusing on her nutrition. She's just a – she's almost like a true professional. She's so, you know – wise beyond her, her age i guess you could say you know sometimes it takes uh you know kids all four years to really figure out but she's she's someone that has a lot of goals and lofty goals you know she's involved in the us hockey program and um you know that's one of her goals is to to make an olympic team in the future and, and she wants to put everything she can into that to to hopefully ensure that she she reaches those goals. And in my mind, there's no reason that she shouldn't. You know, with the way she played this year and, and what I've seen from her on and off the ice, um, you know, we've been fortunate to have some Olympians go through our program here at Clarkson and um, she continues on the path that she's on right now. There's no reason that I think she shouldn't be as part of that team in the future.
0: Yeah, I watched a few of your games on ESPN ESPN Plus this year, and I saw you had no problem putting her in in critical situations late in the game, power play, penalty kill, down a goal with uh, less than five minutes to play, and she, she you were throwing out a rookie uh, to go make things happen, and uh, and, and she was certainly uh, not afraid to have the puck on her stick.
1: Yeah, for sure, and you know that's that's the big thing too. Like we talk about it all the time within our program is um, you know you got to earn your ice time, and and that's something that you know Haley definitely done you know as a freshman she came in and she worked hard and she earned that opportunity to get put in those situations so um you know a good lesson for for younger players and that that you know a lot of it just depends on 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 you and how you go about your business and what you put into it and that and and hopefully you reap the benefits from that Nice, nice. All right, I'm going to move
0: on to the recruiting side of things. So we are uh, at the end of May, or uh, almost towards the end of May. Um, It's a a dead period at this point, so you're you're obviously not actively recruiting. But where are you at in terms of your planning? Um, I'm assuming, based on my conversations with other coaches, your 2022 class is already done. Probably almost your 2023 class is probably already done. Um, But what what are your plans as June 15th approaches um, as you kind of look ahead to 2024 and 2025?
1: yeah um like you said you kind of get ahead of the curve a little bit here when you're recruiting so the 22 and 23 classes for the most part are are pretty much finished Uh, i would i would think a lot a lot of schools are like that um a few things here and there but um for us as soon as our season was done we were getting out on the road and and making sure we we got to see you know a lot of players from that 24 class to kind of start putting them in our database and start uh you know, really kind of getting to know their game and that and preparing for that June 15th uh, when we can start calling them and getting to know them as people as well. I think that's really important too is obviously you go out and you watch these kids play and you're evaluating them and that, but you don't know what kind of person or, or anything or, um, you know, who they are or anything. So the June 15th is a really important time where you can get on the phone with them and, um, you know, get them to answer some questions for you, ask you any kind of questions, but
0: then really just get to know them as people as well. Gotcha. And so very curious, because I, I literally had parents ask me these, these questions this weekend as we were at uh, the, um, the district camp is, you know, June 15th. Is it like, Hey, we're really interested. And like, you know, we're, we're this close to kind of, you know, making an offer or is it, Hey, we just want to start a conversation and we're going to keep talking to you throughout the, the, summer and fall, and we're going to watch it during the year. Like for, for the average player, you know, really, when is the decision making, you know, really taking place and, and you know, potential offers kind of being made? Is it like really soon after June 15th or is it really realistically several months later? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, there's a couple of things
1: that go into that, to be honest with you. I think part of it is kind of the philosophy that coaching staff has, right? Um, you know I know for us and and I spoke about this earlier, is you know we're really we're really big on the culture here at Clarkson. We're trying to build that family atmosphere. and um, you know that's something that's really important to us is to get to know the players and their families and, and see if they're the right fit for us. So um, by doing that, it, it takes a little bit of time. It's not June 15th like, hey, I need to have an answer whether tomorrow, whether you, you want to come to Clarkson or not. For me, it's more important to get to know them, what their goals and aspirations are, what's important to them when they're going through the recruiting process. Um, and sometimes that aligns with what the, the recruit wants, and sometimes it doesn't. There are some recruits that, you know, want to make a decision pretty quickly. Uh, but again, it's just being able to communicate and have those conversations with recruits and their parents and getting them to um, you know, be honest about what their process looks like. Cause I think that's important too. Like we want to be, um, cognizant of what the recruits process is as well. You know, same thing. You'll have some recruits that say, you know what, I want to try and make my decision fairly early. So then we have to try and figure out how that fits into our timeline. Um, there are some recruits where they're, I just want to take my time. I want to make sure I do my visits. Um, and again, that, that has to, we have to look at that and figure out how that works into our timeline as well. So, um, but for us, uh, it's just important to kind of get to know these kids and get to know what they're all
0: about as well. Gotcha. And how are you prioritizing kind of the transfer portal, the fifth year seniors and things like that in terms of just your absolute numbers of what you're looking for, for those future years? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely made things,
1: uh, a little bit different, a little bit more difficult to be honest with you. Um, You know, I think it's great that the NCAA allowed those players that COVID year, that fifth year. Um, You know, I'm sure all the coaches that were involved in that year can say it was a pretty difficult year on on everyone, the coaches, the players. And um, I'm glad that that didn't, you know, take away a a year of eligibility for these players. Um, But along with that, it obviously presented some problems with us trying to have to figure out our roster sizes. Um, so again, like, I, I think a lot of it, I keep talking about this. It comes back to communication. It's sitting down with your players and, and just continuously having that conversation about what their plans are, what their future plans are. Do they plan on taking that extra fifth year? Um, if they do, what does that look like? Do they want to, you know, do a master's program? Um, does our school have that master's program? Um, so there's a lot of different conversations that you, continuously have to have in order to really figure out you know what you need to do because you're looking ahead you know two years in advance trying to really figure out how many roster spots you're going to have so um you know like I said a lot of it comes down to the relationship that you have with your own players that you're able to sit down with them have an open and honest conversation about okay what are your future plans as far as your fifth year and then trying to make a decision on, you know, how many roster spots you're going to have from there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Last two recruiting questions. Um, what what advice do you have for players or parents for what they should be doing uh, over the summer, um, you know, in terms of, uh, focusing on development versus showcases versus tournaments versus actual camps like me, you know, maybe, you know, Clarkson's having your own camp. I know a couple of weeks ago you, you did some on ice stuff with uh, with probably more local players or at least driving distance players to, to, to get on the ice with some of your players. So what, what advice do you have for, for those folks? Yeah, I think, uh,
1: I think the last couple of years, you've probably seen a lot of people, you know, maybe overdo it with these, these showcases and that trying to get exposure and, I understand where they're coming from, but I also think, uh, you know, us as coaches, you know, we get out there quite a bit recruiting and and we see a lot of kids. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, these kids and their parents cannot kind of overdo it a little bit. And I think it's still really important to um, have some balance, I guess. Um, I also think I'm a really big proponent of, you know, the off ice kind of stuff too. Um, you know, the strength conditioning side of things, um, you know, also just some skill work and everything in the summer as well. He's, you know, during the season, you're not really able to do a lot of that stuff as far as like the individual just kind of really break down the, the skill side of things. So I think, you know, the summer's a time that you can put some some work into that as well. And, and then I also think, too, that it's really important to kind of take a little bit of a break as well. I think it's good to to do some other things out there and not just solely focus on hockey. I think, I think what you're seeing a lot now too is that you know hockey's becoming year round and and a lot of people is just strictly everything they do is hockey, hockey, hockey. And to be honest with you, and I've talked to my strength coach about this, and we kind of have a theory that because everyone's so hockey focused and everything, that's why you're seeing a lot more injuries. Um, happen quite a bit is because they're not going out there and doing other things they're not out there doing other sports and different movements and, and things like that so now their bodies are just getting solely focused on you know the hockey stride and the movement with hockey now if they do something different that's when they're pulling muscles or whatever it may be um, so that's why I think it's important to just go out there and, and do some different things and
0: and just be an athlete I guess too yeah, absolutely. So that, that, that's some great advice. Unfortunately, I'm getting on a plane tomorrow to go to a five-day showcase with my son. So it's just, it's just I definitely don't think it's a
1: bad thing, too. I think yeah. I think it's still good to kind of stay on the ice a little bit in the summer and do some of these showcases. But, you know, you'll you see, you know, we get emails from kids giving us their summer schedule. And it's they're doing showcases every weekend. And that, it's got to be really taxing on them and their
0: family and financially. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, it's tough gotcha okay last question it's a goalie question what uh, advice do you have for goalies on the recruiting side of things because not a lot of open spots especially for the 2023s and i can't imagine what it's going to be like for the 24 24s as the 2023s take a post-grad year yeah the goalies uh goalies are it's a little bit different uh certainly goalies
1: are different in a lot of different, <laughs> different ways right um yeah but that's a tough thing like there's there's obviously not A ton of roster spots available on teams as well, right? You know, you have your your six to eight defensemen, your your 12 to 13 forwards, and that there's a lot more roster spots uh, throughout the country. But you know, you're looking at probably maybe three goaltenders per program, and you only got about 40 or so programs too. So, and we're not graduating a goaltender every year, so that's the tough thing. Is that you know, there might be only a handful of programs that actually need a goaltender. Um, so that's that's the tough thing. I think um, the big thing with goaltenders, I think, too, is I think they have to communicate a lot more probably with the college coaches, um, you know, leading up to events is really trying to figure out, you know, what games they're going to play in um, prior to the event happening, you know, having a conversation oh, yeah. with the coach to see if, if, there, if he has some kind of rotation or anything like that, because there's, there's times where we might only be at a showcase for a day. And, you know, a lot of these showcases too, you got, you know, 40 teams going on, we're bouncing around from rink to rink and you're trying to use your time wisely. So if I know that there's someone that I want to watch, a, a goaltender, and I know that they're playing at this time, I can make sure I work that into my schedule. You know, if I don't know if they're playing that game, I might end up missing the game that they play because I'm watching another game. And then I go to watch them and they're not playing. So um, I think a big thing is just kind of the communication side with goaltenders and, and really just, you know, taking the initiative to get that information
0: out to the coaches. That's a, uh, great advice. Actually, that's the first time yeah. I heard that. Uh, excellent. All right. Any uh, any. Uh, major events that you want to let folks know about that you're going to be attending or putting on? Uh, Are are you going to have a summer camp for high school players or anything like that?
1: Uh, We're kind of looking into that a little bit, obviously with the the whole COVID situation and everything, uh, you know, the last couple of years that's changed the way that they do things as far as, uh, you know, camps and overnights and that kind of stuff. Um, You know, we're possibly looking at uh, in July, just doing some clinics um, for the whole bunch of, Uh, whole month of July, you know, doing a couple clinics each week. So um, we're looking at different things like that, different opportunities, you know, even during the season to bring uh, players in teams in as well. Uh, But we'll be out uh, working showcases and and those types of different things. There's a lot of those out there that, uh, you know, we go to and and these these showcases have done a pretty good job putting on their their websites and everything, you know, what schools are going to be attending those and um, so a lot of the times you can just go on there and see which coaches are going to
0: be attending those, uh, showcases. I see the, uh, the Clarkson logo quite often at uh, a lot of these, uh, showcase, uh, Uh, preview pages on who's supposed to be attending. So, Matt, hey, I really want to thank you so much for uh, coming on the Champs App Podcast. This was phenomenal. I mean, it was great to learn about your hockey history, uh, the important role that your wife played in helping build the program, and and you too, uh, and then obviously the national championships, and really just kind of your overall just philosophy on what it takes to build a winning team. So thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, no problem. I had a great time. Appreciate it. I really want to thank Matt for joining me on the podcast. It was great hearing how the Clarkson Women's Hockey Program was built and his insights on how to plan for the summer showcase season. And remember, if you got something out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you'd like, follow, subscribe, and even better, if you could leave us a review so we can keep sharing this important hockey information with folks just like you.